for this. What is nothing? Now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. Hi, welcome to That's Deep, Bro. Serious questions with silly people. I am your host, Christina Pajitsky. <laughs> I hope you had a good week. I did. What did I do? Oh, I discovered kale chips. Um, as if, as if, uh, <laughs> as if I wasn't yuppie enough. I got, I got my Crate and Barrel two catalog in the mail yesterday, and I got my Anthropology catalog. I almost did a backflip, got out of just sheer excitement. But then I went to Whole Foods. And I got my uh, my uh, cheese flavored kale chips. That was <laughs> a big day. Had some kombucha. Um, I don't even know what it is, but kombucha does it. Kind of, kind of tastes like drinking a fart, but it's still fun. It's still good. Uh, yeah, big life, big excitement. <laughs> it's the little things. It's the little things. Any hoodles, if you want to support That's Deep Bro, do me a flavor and um, do your shopping on Amazon through my banner, that's deepbropodcast.com. Uh, you know, the holidays are coming, and I, I really hope you're smart. And if you're traveling uh, this season, do not pack gifts in your bag. Uh, and if you're thinking to yourself, well, Christina, I can put it in my carry-on. Well, guess what? Those cocksuckers at TSA... We'll open your your gifts. They'll unwrap them and shit. So don't even try it. Instead, ship everything in advance on Amazon.com. Just ship it to people's houses, dude, and use my banner, and I'll appreciate it so much. That's what I do. Just mail people shit, even if they don't want it. I just get people the stuff that that I find on Amazon. Uh, oh, you don't want some lip balm? Well, too bad. I ordered you six packs of it. You don't like isotone and slippers? Fuck off. Fuck off. So yeah, today's episode is about uh, being offended, the business of being offended. I think it's kind of a timely topic, um, especially in light of, of comedians, my peers, getting into a lot of trouble over the public being offended by things that they've said in the in the public sphere and um, I wanted to cover. What does it mean to be offended? How does it work psychologically? And I don't know. Does acting on being offended really solve anything? And, and what is the ultimate goal here? So we're going to explore that. And I think why, I mean, who better to kick off this episode of That's Deep Row being offended by the, than with the, the fantastic Gigi Allen? The legend, Gigi Allen. So here you go, guys. Gigi Allen, suck my ass, it smells. There you go. I'm not, I'm not sure you're supposed to actually enjoy Gigi Allen's music, 
but I definitely appreciate it from an artistic point of view. Gigi Allen. Oh, what is this? Oh, this is the next one. I'm sorry. It just rolled into... Oh, God. Deep in the heart of Texas. Anyway, Gigi Allen's a punk rocker. Um, He vowed to kill himself on stage uh, and ended up dying in 1993 of a heroin overdose instead while not being on stage. But uh, Gigi represented the ultimate rock star in his mind anyway. He he represented total punk rock, total rock and roll, total, um, you know, sticking it to the man, no rules, go fuck yourself, nothing's offensive. Um, you know, he would do things like rake beer cans across his chest. He would take shits on stage. He would uh, take a banana. There's there's this great documentary that actually Todd Phillips made, Todd Phillips of who made Old School and all these great comedies, his first documentary was about Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies. That's the name of Gigi's band. It was called Hated Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies. And um, they they follow Gigi Allen at like a college gig that he did. And it's so fantastic because he starts um, unpeeling a banana on stage. And you're like, where's this going? Well, it went right up his ass. He shoved a banana up his butt. And, you know, he would... Unfortunately, he would actually sexually assault women during a show, so that part wasn't very cool, but it, it all fit into the, the rock and roll lifestyle that was Gigi Allen. I think it's safe to say that Gigi probably had severe psychological problems. I read on his Wikipedia, yeah, like, definitely um, multiple personality disorders, uh, a little bit of violent tendencies. So uh, here's just some other titles. If you're interested in Gigi Allen and his music, if you like Suck My Ass, It Smells, there's some other primo titles you'd be interested in. There's Bite It, You Scum, You Hate Me, and I Hate You. These are some other songs. I Want to Piss on You, Don't Talk to Me, I Want to Fuck Myself, Scum Fuck Tradition, Live Fast, Die Fast, Living Like an Animal, Fuck the dead. <laughs> Stick. Oh, this one's good. Stick across up a nun's cunt. Sluts in the city. Kill the children. Save the food. So you, you get the idea that um, that Gigi was in the business of rebellion, of offending people, and he did a really great job of it. And um, he was on the Geraldo show with he and his brother, like, years ago too uh, and, and just horrifying the uh, the masses here here's just a little sound bite so you can hear what Gigi Allen sounded like back when he was alive back when <laughs> Craig Giraldo was interviewing remember those horseshit shows like the Jerry Springers and the uh, you know Greg Giraldo's of the world like they would act with their righteous indignation how dare you how dare you act like this oh Gigi so here he is on the Giraldo Geraldo? Was it Geraldo? I'm thinking of Greg Geraldo. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's I'm saying it wrong. Geraldo. So then, shit, Greg Geraldo should have been Greg Geraldo. Okay, here he is. Here he is. Why, Gigi, did you feel a need to uh, to defecate in front of a live audience? Well, my body is the rock and roll temple, mm-hmm. and my flesh, blood, and body fluids are a <laughs> communion to the people. Yeah. Where- there you go. <laughs> His, uh, good times, man. I mean, I'll tell you what, though. Gigi Allen, I'm not very shockable, but this guy, 
I think he shocks me. I think this is this is one of the few people who actually uh, rattles my cage a little because <laughs> he was violent. Gigi was not cool. It wasn't like you went to a Gigi Allen show and felt totally safe. It was, I mean, from what it looks like, I've never seen it. I never saw him live, but if you go on YouTube and just Google Gigi Allen, uh, you'll see that his shows were really volatile. I mean, people would get beaten up and bruised and bloodied. Gigi would assault people in the audience himself. So it, it was not for the, the faint of heart to go to a Gigi Allen show. But uh, <laughs> what a fucking lunatic. Gigi Allen makes me laugh every time. So check out uh, the, the documentary Hated. It's on, it's on YouTube. It's, it's like free 99. You can go ahead and, and check Gigi out. But were you offended? My little butterflies, my succulent, my succulent guppies. Were you offended by anything I said about Gigi Allen? Are you going to write hateful comments on my iTunes page? Are you going to tweet me and let me know how horrid of a human being I am and how dare I, I talk about those things? How dare I say the titles of Gigi Allen's songs? Are you? Are you outraged? I hope so. Otherwise, I wouldn't have a topic today. So a while ago, I, I had the good fortune of narrating my first documentary. I narrated a documentary called Can't We Take, Can We Take a Joke? Um, it's coming out November 15th, so I thought it would be kind of timely to, to cover this topic as well, being offended. Uh, the documentary follows kind of the freedom of speech movement and comedy, starting with Lenny Bruce and tracks it to where we are today with comedians just being comics, doing what we've always done. But now for some reason, what's happened in, in the social climate that people make it their business to be outraged. Uh, the business of being offended and of being the outrage mob has, uh, in, in and of itself is not such a bad thing. Cause you're like, all right, you have a, I have a right to say whack stuff and you have a right to protest that whack stuff. But the problem is when people are getting other people fired, um, causing other people to lose endorsement deals, uh, causing other people to lose their livelihoods because companies are listening to this small, I think small handful of people on social media who make it their business to be offended by something a public figure says, which to me is complete nonsense. I mean, I just don't understand how anybody can take something personally that an entertainer or, um, you know, any, anybody, anybody really just putting something out in the general public. I don't know how that person internalizes um, something somebody says in general to be interpreted as offensive to them personally. Uh, I never understood the business of being offended. I never, I don't really get offended by, by things I, I hear or see in the public sphere. Um, you know, I just, uh, if I don't like something somebody says, I don't, I don't listen to them anymore. I don't buy their products. Um, when, uh, when dog, the bounty hunter was caught dropping end bombs, with his with his family, I think his his daughter or somebody was dating a black person, and and obviously he he had issue with that, and he was calling the the kid and bomb this, and you know did I demand that he be taken off the air? No, but I don't I don't want to watch his show anymore because I know what a piece of shit he is, 
Same with Paula Dean. I wasn't a huge fan of hers, but once I found out she was into, I think reenacting, was it um, the old Southern slavery days business in her house? <laughs> it it just made me not like her that much more and not pay attention to her. But I I don't care whether or not she still has a show. I'm I'm not gonna fucking watch it. That's all. And I feel like society kind of used to be that way, where you would hear or see something messed up and um, rather than take to the internet or write a think piece or demand that that person be ostracized, fired, demand that that person be witch hunted and destroyed, you just had the adult discretion to go, yeah, I'm into that or no, I'm not into that and I won't support that person. But I think what's terrifying today is the, the witch hunty element of not only am I offended at what you've just said, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ferret you out of society. I'm going to find a way to get rid of this, this cancer that is you. Um, it's really scary, especially as a comedian, as somebody who gets paid to offend people. Um, at least that's, you know, not every comedian makes that their business. I think that for me personally as a comic... Uh, trying to find a line and and get just as close as you can to it is what our function is in society. I think it's really important to find that line. Uh, otherwise, you know, when you're just telling jokes about cookies, I can't fucking do it. My brain would explode. But there's been a difference in stand-up comedy since I've been doing it. I started maybe 12 years ago, and I am actually... Um, and I say this, and I'm not saying this to be dramatic or um, frivolous or whatever the word is. I'm not saying this to uh, to just say it, but I, I really have seen a palpable change in the climate of the audience members. I've seen it. I've seen it happen where people are getting less and less tolerant of jokes, which is so fucking weird because I look in the context of a comedy club, you're there. Uh, everybody's under the same premise, right? You're, you're entering a space in which you're, you're in these four walls and everyone's protected by darkness and the real world doesn't exist in this comedy club environment. The whole premise is we're going to laugh and have a good time. And it's weird to me that there's a lot more groans and oohs and ahs now um, like for instance, I could do the same set that I did in 2008. I could go to the comedy store tonight and do that here in 2015. And I would hear a lot more groans and over things that it's like, come on, it's obviously I'm not, I'm not up there advocating violence. I'm not up there advocating, you know, um, hate speech or anything towards any group, but people really, uh, have been trained to be PC and to act offended. And it's fucking lame. It's so boring. And it's uh, it's scary for comedians. It's very scary. I mean, if you look at what happened even recently with Steve Renazizi, um, who just, come on, I mean, he told a fucking dumb story about being somewhere at 9-11 that he wasn't. The guy never profited off the story. He didn't make money off of it. Um, yeah, he told it on a couple podcasts or whatever in public, but like, I just, I don't understand how him telling a story um, affects 
anybody but him. And I understand that. I think what it is is that people get emotional when they hear something about 9-11. And hey, man, I'm not a fucking communist. I, was, I wasn't in New York um, when 9-11 happened, but I was here in L.A. And, and you better believe it was the, one of the worst days of my life. It was terrible to watch these buildings collapse and people jumping out of, out of windows. And I, cry, I spent days crying. It was, hor- it was horrible. But I still don't understand how... A guy like Steve Renazizi just tells a story and for some reason somebody who doesn't even know the guy is offended enough to take to Twitter or to write an email and have his, his endorsements pulled and, and, and basically ruin his life and make him apologize. It's, it's utter insanity. It's so fucking insane. I like Steve. I think he's a, he's a great guy. He's a nice guy. He doesn't deserve to have that shit happen to him. You know, I always think, well, what, okay, then Christina, uh, let's say you had someone who died in 9-11. Okay, well, let's say this way. Let's say Steve Renazizi made up a story about having a schizophrenic mom, which is something that's dear to my heart, tortured me my whole life that I had a crazy mom, and it's my thing, right? It's my issue. It hurt me a lot. And Steve made up a story about having a schizophrenic mom. You know what? I still wouldn't give a shit. Because it's nothing to do with me. It's not my business. <laughs> it doesn't have anything to fucking do with anything. <sighs> anyway, I think that's the scary part of being offended now, is that the angry mob, the outrage mob, can ruin your life. Um, your way of living. It can take away your income. And uh, more and more comedians are being forced to apologize. Poor Amy Schumer had to apologize for a joke she made about Mexicans years ago on some stupid... Uh, show she did which is uh, just nonsense even i i never apologize for anything i don't think i ever will (laughs) i really don't want to (laughs) um but recently i just did arisha fears this is not happening here in la we taped at cheetahs for comedy central and um i told the story of uh being bullied in seventh seventh and eighth grade by a girl named Rosina Johnson, who was a 300 pound black girl. And, um, the story is about me learning to stand up to somebody and kind of finding my cojones and telling somebody to go fuck themselves. And I got my ass beat by this girl. I didn't win the fights or anything. (laughs) Um, but for, for funny effect, for comedic effect, I absolutely made fun of the way she spoke I made fun of her mannerisms. I also made fun of myself. And the story was about being physically beaten by this girl. Well, what the fuck happened? What do you think? The next day, some asshole who was in the audience at the taping tweets to not only me, oh, not only me, but tags Comedy Central, oh, to let the man know to let Comedy Central know how offended he was that I was being racially insensitive because the girl in my story was black. Okay. Two parts. (laughs) Number one, um, thanks for tagging Comedy Central, you asshole, right? The direct, um, you know, the direct causal thinking here being like, I'm going to get you in trouble with mommy and daddy. So this guy's ratting on me to the corporate entity that was kind enough to put me on their channel. That's not cool. So he's looking, he's fishing for the outrage mod, mob, right? The outrage button. 
fishing to get me fired. Uh, number two, I love how he, what he finds to be offensive is highly selective. Um, so me getting brutally beaten as a 12 and 13 year old girl by, by another girl is not offensive, but the fact that she was black and I mentioned that she is, was in fact a black person, that's, that's the offensive part. Okay. Makes perfect sense. Thankfully nothing has happened, but it did kind of bum me out. It really bummed me out because look, comedians for sure our intention is is at least from my perspective and the comedians i'm friends with our intention is never to harm people or to to advocate hate or to advocate violence towards any group it's so i mean i'm sure there are comics that do i don't know any um but it's uh it's really fucking scary man and it's scary like i remember dave Chappelle was working out some material couple years back and when you work out material it's not always clean it's not always polished it's raw maybe you've got some thoughts in there that haven't been quite chiseled into an acceptable public format and he was talking about um transvestites and how we felt about them and some girl well was offended in the audience and wrote a fucking blog about dave Chappelle being you know transphobic and and this and that and the other horse shit. And it, yeah, it's, it's upsetting. Um, in fact, recently, Tom and I, my husband and I, were on Joe Rogan's podcast, and we talked about Caitlyn Jenner. Not in relation to her um, gender change, even. <laughs> Just like Joe was bringing up how not a cool person she was, and I was talking about pretty much this exact thing I'm talking about now, which is, you can't even have fucked up feelings about Caitlyn Jenner and say them in public. Like Dave Chappelle and his, his thing about um, this transvestite was more about his feelings about it, okay? Not, not condemning somebody for, for being that thing. You can't, I can't, you can't even say, uh, you know, Caitlyn Jenner makes me feel weird or I'm not sure what to make of this. Otherwise, you're labeled as transphobic, which is not the ca- <sighs> The clip that my husband and I did with Joe ended up going viral recently, and it's on World Star Hip Hop now. It's over. I'm sure it's over a million views, and we recorded this like months ago, not even thinking about it. But I think really shows that there is a thread in society now where people are, I think, hopefully, getting fucking sick and tired of the the political correctness of the PC police. God, I hope so. God, I hope so. Because um. It's making my asshole pucker, I'll tell you that. So I thought I would get into this business of uh, what does it mean to even be offended? What's the mechanism? What's going on when somebody is saying that they're offended? Because I, I think it's interesting. I think it's, I don't, I personally, I don't get offended by much, as I've said. Um, I do get offended when people fuck with me personally. Like if you come at me, and it's something between you and me? Of course. But like I've never watched a movie or read an article or listened to somebody speak and go, I'm offended. It's just kind of not in my way of being. <laughs> or even if I did find it offensive, I'd just stop listening. Like I would just not deal with them. So I found this great article called, oh no, 
oh, it's, it's psychology. It's called, um, the article is called Why We're Quick to Go Negative. Um, okay. And this written by this guy, Peter Michelson, who apparently is a psychologist. So here we go. Um, the reason why we go negative, here's a bit of background. He says, on an inner level, we resonate with the feeling of being mocked, disrespected, or criticized. We're inwardly defensive against allegations of wrongdoing or condemnations of stupidity from an inner source, our inner critic or super ego. Ooh. Okay. Um, so if you don't know what that is, so your inner critic is uh, is is a villain in the drama of your life. It's the voice that may or may, or may not be conscience conscious sorry it's those things um you know when you fucking you feel like you're wrong you're foolish you're stupid you're flawed you're worthless well those are all those unconscious ego thoughts right like the ego is basically there to torture you (laughs) and if you're if you can in life see a therapist who can kind of undo those thoughts or get to those thoughts those unconscious beliefs you can really be liberated but what happens with being offended is that some people who may not be consciously aware of, of, of what um, their unconscious beliefs are about themselves, if they hear something that triggers that um, belief or that resonates with that, they're, what they're doing is they're afraid that it's true. Basically, you've hit a nerve with somebody that they're trying to, a nervous with a subject that they're trying to conceal from themselves. And it's like you you hit that button for them and they feel slighted and disrespected and they're not sure why maybe. But that's when they take it out on you. Like you're the one that's an asshole. But the truth is they're just afraid that inside what you've said is true about them. <laughs> so it's a defense mechanism. In essence, it's a way to not see our unconscious beliefs about ourselves when we take offense with somebody else. Um, He says, we often look for a scapegoat so we can minimize our inner sense of wrongdoing and deflect our inner critic spotlight away from us. So he says, now the the defense reads, I'm not the one who's guilty of wrongdoing. It's that fool over there. Look at what he just said. He's the one who needs to be condemned. So the deeper our sense of being offended by the, quote, fool, the more successfully we're covering up our unhealthy emotional entanglement in the situation. Our defense act act exacts a heavy price, the burden of our ugly outrage. We suffer this way in order to cover up our resonance with the feeling of being criticized or belittled. So the resonance is what I'm talking about. Of, um, For instance, let's say I make a joke about... Uh, all blondes are stupid, right? I'm a blonde, so nobody will take offense to this, hopefully. <laughs> uh, I'm a blonde, and uh, but I'm, I'm up there saying that all blondes are stupid whores who suck dicks. Um, maybe there's a blonde in the audience who has sucked a lot of dicks, and maybe she feels ashamed and wrong inside for having sucked said dicks. Now all of a sudden... She can't acknowledge that unconscious shame inside of her. Um, Maybe her mom called her a whore too, or her dad called her a whore. People called her a whore. And so instead of 
going, oh, that's just like an unconscious thing I have going on. This has nothing to do with the comedian. She will get up and storm out of my show and call me, um, I don't know, dick phobic, <laughs> blonde phobic, <laughs> whatever the fuck. And then write some kind of horrible comment on the comment cards at which the the people that own the establishment I work in will read those comments and then it will come back to me. Sometimes, not all the time. Thank Christ. <sighs> so there you go. It's basically the inner critic's um, incessant negativity um, giving itself like a focus. So yeah. So try to be more calm. Dude, listen, if you're offended by something, I, th- I think the, um, the thought is to go, well, wait a minute. What about me? is resonating with that. Why am I taking offense to that? Does that like trigger something in me (laughs) instead of lashing out at that other person, which is fucking so lame, dude. (sighs) So fucking lame. Yeah. People losing jobs. Did you hear about the lady who tweeted as she was going to Africa? This one's my favorite. Hold on. (laughs) This one's so fucking great. So some lady who works in PR, Justine Sacco, um, I just, I love when you try to read an article and then a full page ad covers it. Like, dude, really? So this woman got fired as communications director of, um, the New York based internet empire interactive corp for having made a puerile. Oh boy. That's a big word. Puerile tweet that linked AIDS with race. <laughs> and she had to issue an apology to the millions of people living with the virus. Okay. So, What's the big tweet that she says? So she gets on a plane to Africa. This woman tweets something so silly. And then when she lands, her life is fucking destroyed. Like she's fired. The internet hates her. Everything has gone wrong for her. Do you want to know what the tweet was? It's so dumb. It says, going to Africa. Hope I don't get AIDS. Just kidding. I'm white. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, not the best joke, but I don't know. It's kind of true, right? Am I right? <laughs> um, I think everybody, when they go to Africa, the first time jokes about AIDS. I know my husband and I did a lot when we went to Africa. Just because, like, the, you know, that's what you do. You find the most inappropriate thing, and then you joke about it. Uh, but this lady got her ass canned and had to apologize <laughs> to everybody who has AIDS. <laughs> Please. I mean... Give me a fucking break. Like, you just write something stupid. She tried to make a joke. It didn't go well for her. And that should have just been the end of it, right? I made a stupid joke. I tried. I failed. But no. She had to lose her life. Do you know she's changed her name even? Yeah. It was fucking brutal. (laughs) Horrible. And I get it. She's not a comedian. She's not somebody in the public eye. I understand. So it's like... You know, she's not expected to make comments like this, but I don't know, man. Really? Does she need to lose her job and her life over a fucking dumb tweet? (sighs) I don't know. And the thing is, being offended, it's relative. Like, it's all, um, it's all relative. It's cultural, right? For instance, I could be like, Jesus Christ. And in the United States of America, it's super offensive. But in the Buddhist world, it's not. So there's no end to 
the amount of like what we could find offensive. It just will go on and on and on. And what's the goal anyways? To witch hunt out the people we dislike until we have a perfect society? Is that, is that what we're trying to do? We're trying to ferret out all the a-holes so we only have everybody who's in, in, uh, in one mind think? Yeah, good luck. And a lot of it started, I think a lot of this horse shit started back with the, uh, the political correctness, the renaming of things. And I understand that language forms thinking, definitely. I remember in the 90s when, um, sorry, that was the advertiser, of course. It's before the clip I like to play up next. Um, political correctness, I remember, started in the 90s where uh, <laughs> I was supposed to, right? Black people were no longer black, they were African Americans. Everybody was a hyphen American. Um, schools had to let in affirmative action, had to let in a certain percentage of minorities, which I think actually was a, probably a good practice. But I wonder, I wonder what the implications are of, of, of renaming things. Um, because just because you rename something doesn't mean that people necessarily change their thinking about it. Uh, just because you're not allowed to call women bitches or broads doesn't mean that misogyny doesn't exist and that women are still grossly underrepresented in Congress or our rights are, our um, reproductive rights are constantly a threat of being taken away. Um, and if you look at how poor black people are getting treated by the cops, it doesn't look like that shit's changed either by just a change of language. I think there's some value in consciousness raising, you know, when you when you rename things to, to sound a bit, I don't know, softer, but <laughs> I don't know, dude. I mean, the crazy shit that I hear being a woman, like, I don't think shit's changed that much. Here's George Carlin talking about soft language. I think he's the one um, who really, really explains this the best. I don't like words that hide the truth. I don't like words that conceal reality. I don't like euphemisms or euphemistic language. And American English is loaded with euphemisms because Americans have a lot of trouble dealing with reality. Americans have trouble facing the truth. So they invent a kind of a soft language to protect themselves from it. And it gets worse with every generation. For some reason, it just keeps getting worse. I'll give you an example of that. There's a condition in combat most people know about it. It's when a fighting person's nervous system has been stressed to its absolute peak and maximum, can't take any more input. The nervous system has either snapped or is about to snap. In the First World War, that condition was called shell shock. Simple, honest, direct language. Two syllables, shell shock. Almost sounds like the guns themselves. That was 70 years ago. Then a whole generation went by, and the Second World War came along, and we, the very same combat condition was called battle fatigue. Four syllables now. Takes a little longer to say. Doesn't seem to hurt as much. Fatigue is a nicer word than shock. Shell shock. Battle fatigue. <laughs> then we had the war in Korea in 1950. Madison Avenue was riding high by that time, and the very same combat condition was called operational exhaustion. <laughs> hey, we're up to eight syllables now. And the humanity has been squeezed completely out of the phrase. It's totally sterile now. Operational exhaustion. Sounds like something that might happen to your car. 
Then, of course, came the war in Vietnam, which has only been over for about 16 or 17 years. And thanks to the lies and deceit surrounding that war, I guess it's no surprise that the very same condition was called post-traumatic stress disorder. Still eight syllables, but we've added a hyphen. And the pain is completely buried under jargon. Post-traumatic stress disorder. I'll bet you, if we'd have still been calling it shell shock, some of those Vietnam veterans might have gotten the attention they needed at the time. I'll bet you. I'll bet you. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, George Carlin. Preach. That's what's up, man. I think George Carlin's asshole would be itchier than ever right now if he fucking heard the nonsense happening. That was in 2008 that he wrote that, too. Hey, that's right. That's right around, that, right around the time I noticed uh, a change in uh, audiences. Very interesting. So, yeah, there you go. So, what's the real problem with being offended? Well, other than annoying the shit out of every comic and public figure in the world, there's actually a really down, a dark and, and downside to um, a lot of this righteous indignation that is happening. Um, I read an article about a professor who tried to teach about evolution, tried to teach evolution in his class, and he had a, a diverse mixture of students from all different religious backgrounds. And um, he said that when he got into evolution, some people stood up and left, just left the classroom because they didn't even want to hear the possibility of the things that he was talking about. And uh, here's what he said after this experience. He said, I, I learned a lot from this experience, both for giving future lectures and about memes. It seems to me that offense has become a new meme trick. Cry, I am offended, and it permits people not to engage with new ideas. So the old memes protect themselves with a new cage for their hapless carriers. Wow. That's a really fucking deep idea, bro. Basically, when you refuse to even engage in the discussion by opting out, by being offended, you keep everything in the dark. And from what I was saying earlier about political correctness and the rebranding of everything and what Georgie Carlin was talking about, this rebranding of PTSD and, and you know shell shock, is that when we take the truth out of the words when we slowly sanitize things you're sucking the meaning out of out of everything you're sucking you're sucking the way to talk about shit out you're taking away the truth and you're taking away the fangs on the problem and and that was one part of political correctness but now to be offended means to not even have the dialogue <sighs> that's even more terrifying so yeah that's another problem of, of being offended. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, is there anything that is legitimate to be offended about? Here I look to uh, the fantastic Richard Dawkins. If you don't know who he is, uh, he's a, a well-known atheist. Um, he calls himself, sorry, an ethologist, ethologist. I don't know how to say that. Evolutionary biologist and writer. He's an emeritus fellow at New College at Oxford, um, yeah, Dawkins was well known when I studied at Oxford. Uh, his name was being passed around back then. The guy was pretty well known. He's written some huge books. 
1976, he wrote The Selfish Gene, which popularized the gene-centered view of evolution. Um, there's a big book. Oh, The God Delusion in 2006. <laughs> Dawkins contends that a supernatural creator almost certainly does not exist and that religious faith is a delusion, a delusion, a fixed false belief. So this guy is, you know, I, I, do I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I know, who knows? I'm not so scientific that I don't, I, I can't accept the possibility of a supernatural element to the world. I don't know, but I'm not offended. <laughs> He's a smart dude. Dawkins, he has a lot of cool shit to say. And um, yeah, I think we should listen to him. I, I, I defer to Richard Dawkins on, is there a, a time where being offended is actually appropriate? Hmm. Listen to this. That's very kind. Thank you very much. I'm offended by some things. I'm offended by chewing gum. I'm offended by backwards-pointing baseball hats. <laughs> but I don't try to get a version of the blasphemy law passed to prevent people chewing gum or reversing their cap. So what if I'm offended? So what if my feelings are hurt? Does that give me the right to prevent others from expressing their opinions? However, is there a time when it is right to be offended? I think so, yes. We should be offended when children are denied a proper education. We should be offended when children are told they will spend eternity in hell. We should be offended when medical science, for example, stem cell research, is compromised by... <laughs> compromised, I should say, by the bigoted opinions of powerful and, above all, well-financed ignoramuses. <laughs> we should be offended when voodoo of all kinds is given equal weight to science. We should be offended by hymen reconstruction surgery. We should be offended by female circumcision, euphemism for genital mutilation. This, this picture was taken in Africa, but it happens in Britain. I had a, a long conversation with a school's inspector from London, and she told me it's common. Girls are typically sent away to stay with an uncle in Bradford. We should be offended by stoning. This young Kurdish woman was stoned to death in a so-called honour killing because she wanted to marry a young man of the wrong religion. I mentioned the novelist Kingsley. There you go. All right. I, I, sorry, I didn't stop it a second. I should have. But yeah, I'm offended by those things too. I think those are wonderful things uh, to be offended by. The fucking fantastic Richard Dawkins. Look at you. Look at you, Richard Dawkins. With your British accent is so smart. I'm offended, mummy. I'm offended. So there you go. There are a few things you should be offended by. I agree entirely with Richard Dawkins. Um, how about some real shit? Let's get offended about real shit. How about that? How about uh, in this country? How about let's get offended about some real shit in this country? You know what I'm saying? I like homeless people. 
I'm offended about that. Not them, but I mean, like, we have enough money. Can't we fucking help these people? Fucking Reagan deinstitutionalized um, all these mentally ill people, and they're still living on the streets. It's terrible. Blame Ronald Reagan. So there you have it, bros. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode of being offended. I hope I offended you. Um, I hope you take to Twitter and let me know about your outrage. Um, yeah. Go ahead and, you know, tell me to go fuck myself. It'll make my day. There you go. So, uh, yeah, that was a neat episode, right? Everybody, let's get offended. I pray that people now um, decide to stand up for a political incorrectness. I think that it's time to start shaming people that make it their business to shame other people for their wacky beliefs. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick of people groaning in comedy audiences. Uh, I'm sick and tired of, of, of people shaming other people for their beliefs on Twitter. I'm, I'm sick of the, the, the self-righteous horse shit involved in it. Uh, I say it's time we start shaming these shamers and these witch hunters these fucking communist pigs that don't respect the First Amendment of freedom of speech. That's all it is, guys. Come on. That's all it is. It's not a big deal. How can you be offended by words? It's just so fucking stupid. I can't even handle it. Yeah. All right, bros. Go on. Offend people. Enjoy your lives. Fuck it. Right? Fuck it. Yeah, it's Christina P, aka Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party, our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke. Or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life. And you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep.